All right, I will say good morning. A lot, a lot to do today, Baruch Hashem. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us. Beautiful daf ahead of us. To begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning's shir. To thank our Talmud Torah sponsors, Avram and Shane D. Kelman, for dedicating all the Shimon Drushos this month in honor of Yechiel's engagement to Alana Falik in the memory of their parents, Stroman Bernice Kelman, Alexandra, and Frederica David. To thank Barak, Maya, Sandy Hafman, Dora Limas, and Avi Malamid for dedicating all the Shimon Drushos this month in memory of Ruvain Ben Emanuel. Ayal and Sarah Steinberg for dedicating the Shurim this month in the Schuss of Rafur Shalema for Shulamis Bas Susha and in the Schuss of her continued health, the Dafyomishir in the Schuss of Rafur Shalema for Yehuda Ben Michal. Our week of learning sponsors, Matt and Diane Marks, in honor of the birth of their grandson, Yeshaya, Yehuda Yeshaya, may grow in Merz Hashem. To be an incredible bentora and a source of nachos. Our Dafyomi sponsor is actually from yesterday, but I forgot to announce it. Baruch Meir and Rina Dubin wishing a mazel tov to Diana and Matt Marks on the occasion of the birth and bris of their new grandson Yehuda Yeshaya. May he grow to Torah, to Chuppah, and to Meisim Tovim. Wishing all of us should have continued simchas nachas from our children. Kol chole Yisrael should have a complete and enduring refuah. The neshamas should have an aliyah and the families a nechama. with that, let us begin. So a lot to do today. A lot to do today, Merz Hashem. We are picking up. Today's daf is Nun Hey, 55. Let's pick up at the new Mishnah on the new Parak. In Merz Hashem on Nun Dalit Amud Beis 54b. I will say really interesting sugi ahead of us. Says the Mishnah, Even though we learned, we've established that a Besula gets a Ksuva of 200 Zos and an Almana a Ksuva of 100, in most of the whole sit, Afilumea Mona Yosef, if the husband wants to add on to the Ksuva, he has the ability to do so. Even if he wants to add on an exorbitant amount of money, that is his prerogative. Nis if a woman is divorced, or if, or if she's widowed or divorced, whether she's divorced from Erisin or from Nisuin, Tanakan Rabosei holds that she collects the entire Ksuba. So entire meaning, entire meaning what? Entire meaning, Iker and Tosefes. Iker and Tosefes, right? Whether she's widowed or divorced from Erisin or from Nisuin, she collects the Ksuba in its entirety. Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azari, Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azari says no. Minani suin go Ultimately, again, from the suin, from the suin, she collects everything. She collects everything. Mina irisin, however, again, if she's widowed or divorced from irisin, besula gove masayim v'almona mona. A besula collects two hundred, and an almona collects one hundred. So both say, what's interesting, Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azari holds that really from irisin only iker ksuva. The primary part of the ksuva is collectible. Any tosefes, any additional amounts are not. But from the suin, from the suin, the entire thing is collectible. Because what Shabbalaza ben Azariah's logic is, a man only writes tosefes, tosefes, with the intention ultimately again of fully marrying her, i.e. nisuin. Rashi says, over here, Tosefes dimidaito ella amenas lekonsa. So Rosh Hashanah says, Iker Ksuva ultimately is from Erisin. 
But the Tosefes, the additional amounts, only takes place, he only has in mind to commit himself to that once Nisuin occurs. Okay, so the Mara goes right. Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says, Sorry, Huda Omer, Imraza kosev lebesula shtar shalmasayim, vihi koseves his kavli mimcha mana, ula amana mana, vihi koseves his kavli mimcha chamishim zuz. So I'll say, Huda introduces something very interesting. So I'll say, so, so there, there, first, let, let's go through the halacha so far. Halacha number one. Halacha number one is that a man has the ability to add on to a ksuba. Right? So remember again, we know primary ksuba for a first marriage, 200 mana, second marriage, second marriage, or non basula, 100 mana, fine. That's halakha number one. You can add on. How much can you add on? How much can you add on? As much as you want. Second halakha, which is a machlokis tanakama and rabalaza ben azaria, which is about the collectability of a ksuba. Tanakama says, already from Erisin, she collects everything. Iker, Tosefes, rabalaza ben azaria says, no. Iker is collectible as of Erisin. Tosefes only collectible as of Nisuin. Nisuin. Next. We'll say that's part of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yudin introduces us something interesting. Let's say a man, right, a man wants to give his wife a diminished ksuba. So we started out the Mishnah with a discussion about adding on to a ksuba. Let's say he doesn't want to add, he wants to diminish. So Rabbi Yudin Rabbi says there's a way to do it. How do you do it? So let's say again, Rubei's marrying Rachel, first marriage, he writes her a ksuba of 200 zuz, and she writes back a receipt for 100 zuz. And I will say, did she receive 100 zuz? No, but she's making it as if she received it, i.e. she's being mochelas. She's forgiving a part of the ksuba. So Behuda Omer, she can write a document that says, I received the hundreds of from you. Or for an amana, for an amana, he goes seven. Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Now, I will say, obviously, she hasn't received any money. She hasn't received any money. Essentially, what she is doing is she is forgiving a part of her ksuva. Now, what's interesting to note over here is this seems like a very convoluted way to go ahead and forgive part of a ksuva. She, she should just be able to write what? Just be able to write what? Right? I forgive a hundred of my ksuva. Now, what's say We're going to see it appears that according to Rabbi Yehuda, the halacha is a man has to write a ksuva of 200 zuz to his wife. Otherwise, he, he, has, he has to write. That this is what she's entitled to. There's no such thing as writing a ksuva for less. The way we're going to see in the Gemara, apparently that the, this is the only way to forgive ksuva. It has to be, the mechanism has to be that she'll write, it's as if I received it. Again, we'll see why it is, but that's Rabbi Huda's position. Comes along Rabbi Meir, Meir Omer, Kol apokhis lo yisulim Rabbi Meir says, if you try to write a diminished suba, less than 200 for a basula, and less than 100 for a baula, ultimately, again, this is a bi'ilas znus. This is a, right, living with her will be a morality. Now, what Rabbi Meir means, is he arguing? Is this a different opinion? We'll have to see in the Gemara. Good. Rabbi will say, that is our Mishnah. So now, let's analyze. So we'll say the first part of the Mishnah taught us that if a husband wants to go ahead and increase the ksuba amount, he has the ability to do so. To which the Gemara says, pshita. Okay, well, so I mean, that's kind of obvious. Right? In other words, why does the Mishnah... I don't want to say, remember, ksuba is a debt. Ksuba is a debt. 
that our husband owes to the wife. He wants to go ahead and go above and beyond and make himself indebted to her for a greater amount. Great. As they say, go for it. Go for it. Why does the Mishnah have to teach you that this is possible? Very interesting. This is possible. This, this is possible. This, this, this is incredible. I might have thought that Chazal put a cap. They put a ceiling on the Ksuva amount. Why? Why? So as not to embarrass someone who doesn't have additional funds. Right? I say, think about this for just a moment, right? Ruvain's marrying Rachel. Ruvain is a man of means. So he has the Igor Ksuva of 200 zuz and he promises her another $100,000. Right? Shimon is marrying Leah and Shimon doesn't have any money. Shimon doesn't have any money. See, he's going to obligate himself, obviously, to the Iker Ksuva, but he doesn't have anything extra. I might have thought that Chazal would put a cap on a Ksuva so as not to embarrass people who don't have it. I will say, we have halachic precedent for this, right? Where do we see that Chazal legislate? Chazal legislate ultimately against spending in order not to embarrass. Where do we see this? By Levias, right? By funerals. We saw this by the first time, right? Ultimately, again, we saw this was referenced already in Yibamis. Then Chazal went ahead and put a cap on burial spending so as not to embarrass people. So I might have thought, therefore, Chazal put a cap on Ksuva spending. Kamash Malon, we don't. say, by the way, it raises an interesting point. It's a good, it's, it's another, it's Kamash Malon. The Mishnah tells us that you could, you could increase the amount of Ksuva and effectively you could spend as much as you want on the Ksuva. Spend as much as you want on the Ksuva. say begs the question, why didn't Chazal put a cap on ksuva spending? There's a very simple reason, which is it benefits the woman. In other words, why, why, in other words when it comes to spending on the dead, right, I will say that's non-essential spending. Right? That's not a good return on investment. So, right, so, so, so the mice, again, Chazal said, if spending on Levias is going to create unnecessary, unnecessary, right, we'll call it communal pressure, so put a cap on it. But why would we ever put a cap on ksuva spending? Ksuva spending benefits the woman. If we allow the women in Jewish society to get more money for the ksuva, giving them more financial security, we're not stepping in on that again. But the havamina is, I would have stepped in in order to go ahead and not embarrass those who don't have. Which, by the way, tells you something very interesting. What the Gemara is highlighting to us is that when you can put a cap, on communal spending in order not to embarrass people who don't have, and you're not putting anyone at a disadvantage, impose that cap, which I will say is an interesting thing. You know, we don't have organized Jewish community enough to do these kinds of things, but in the, in the Hasidic communities, they have takanas. In other words, for example, in many of the Hasidic sects, there are caps on how much you are allowed to spend on a wedding. How many people you're allowed to invite to a Sheva Brachas? And these caps are there, these caps are there in order to create a societal norm and in order to avoid unnecessary spending on, on things where people can't afford it. Because they're both saying there is a social pressure. Again, it exists even in our community to make a wedding that looks a certain way, to invite a certain number of people. I was, saying, I was recently having a conversation with someone who was marrying off a child, and he said to me, he said to me, I have only one regret, regret. My regret is that I couldn't have made a chasana during COVID. I wish I could have made a COVID wedding. 
And at first I didn't understand what he was saying. And he was saying is, oh, you remember the COVID weddings? Right, those around the COVID weddings, right? 10 people, 10 people, right? I remember because we were involved in some of these conversations with local government about how we need a minion, right? We need a minion. It was 10 people. It was in someone's backyard. And I would say, as having attended a number of COVID weddings, they were some of the most meaningful and uplifting events I've ever seen in my entire life, which teaches us such an incredible yisod that it's not the number of musicians and it's not the number of people and it's not this and it's not that. I would say, so again, we get lost in all of these things. We, we just get lost. Unfortunately, we don't have this, the, the structure of community to create standards that everyone lives by. But Lamaisi, you see how Chazal went ahead and felt when you could create standards that therefore keep things in a modest fashion so no one gets embarrassed because they don't have, do it. Ksuba, we're not going to do it because halacha lamaisi, you're going to put the woman at a disadvantage. Good, let's go right there. Says the Gemara. In Ratzel the Hosef, so Rosa, listen to this. Lo Ratzel lichtov lo katani, ela Ratzel the Hosef. So I will say, this is very interesting. So, so step number one in the Mishnah is you could add on to a Ksuba. Good, that's step number one. Step number two, step number two, the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said, em Ratzel Hosef. Now I will say, Ratzel Hosef means what? What is that? If you want to add on. Now, the Gemara makes an interesting deal. It doesn't say, Imratza Lichtov, right? It doesn't say if he wanted to write, rather, it says if he wanted to add. Then I both say, what's the difference between writing and adding? So, Messiah, the Rabbi Ivo, the Amrabianai, the Amrabaivo, Amrabianai, Tnoi Ksuva, Kiksuva Dami. So, I both say, take something very interesting over here. The idea of the Gemara says like this. The chilik is, let's say, let's take this case. Ruben's marrying Rachel, first marriage. What's her ksuva amount? What's her ksuva amount? 200 zos, right? Now Ruben wants to add in another, another 500 zos. So we'll say, here's the shayla. How do you view the additional 500 zos? Is the additional 500 zos, does that become part of the ksuva? Or is that essentially just considered to be an additional amount that Ruben owes Rachel but it's not really part of the ksuva. So let's listen to this. So the Gemara says, if the Mishnah would have written, if the Mishnah would have said that Ruben wants to add on 500 zoos, write it up, write it up. Write it up sounds like what? This is an additional debt that he owes her. But it doesn't say that. It says, Yosef. Yosef means added onto the ksuva, which tells us, which tells us, that any additional agreements to the ksuva become part of the ksuva itself. So now when he goes in and commits himself to an additional 500 zoos, that 500 zoos, which we call tnai ksuva, part of the conditions or additional agreements of the ksuva, become part of the ksuva itself. Let's say, take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, we're at tnai ksuva, tosefes, shehu matana, or shu masna, so we'll say, it turns out, it turns out that our Mishnah reflects the view of Rabbi Ivo, and Rabbi Ivo says, Additional agreements to the Ksuva become part of the Ksuva itself. It all becomes part of the Ksuva. So we'll say, so this is really incredible. So now, Tosefes Ksuva, any additional amounts that Ruvay adds onto the Ksuva, become part and parcel of the Ksuba itself. They're both like, what does this matter? So watch this. We're going to go through a series of nafkaminas. Nafkamina, here we go. Let's go through one by one. Mocheres. So I both say, listen to this. 
let's say a woman goes ahead and mocheres or mocheles. We actually saw this two days ago. Mocheres means she sells her ksuba. Mocheles means she forgives her ksuba. Take a look at Rashi. Mocheres, mocheres, mocheles. Mocheres ksubasa, mocheles ksubasa. Mochla umocheres hakol. Lefisha kol kar ksuba. Both listen to this. Let's say Rachel sells her ksuba. Now, could a woman sell her ksuba? Absolutely. She's selling a future. We spoke about this. And I will say, when Rachel sells her ksuba, what is she selling? What is she selling? And the answer is she's selling everything. Everything means what? The ikr ksuba and any tosefes. Because tosefes, right, any additional amounts, become part of ksuba proper. Same idea if she is mocheles. Let's say she forgives her ksuba. We'll talk about the dynamics of forgiving your ksuba. She forgives her ksuba. Now, listen, the moon forgives her ksuba. What is she forgiving? What is she forgiving? Everything. Include, because why? Because the tosefes becomes part of the ikr. Incredible. Next. What's next on the list? Moredes. Shabbos say we will discuss this. Look like at Rashi Moredes. This is not the Pirikin. Hamoredes abayla. Poches in lo miksubasa. Ad masayu poches ad kenegir ksubasa. So we'll listen to this. The case of Moredes is a woman who refuses to be intimate with her husband. And I will say, so what we're going to see is the case, which is an interesting case. This is a case of Moredes where a woman is using their intimate relationship uh, as a tool against him. Again, well, she doesn't want to be intimate to him because she finds him repulsive. She, you know, she doesn't want to be intimate with him because he's mean. So that, that's not this discussion. Moredes is the case where she refuses intimacy as a punitive measure. So Chazal penalized her in that case and ultimately diminished her ksuba. So we'll say, how much of her ksuba do we diminish? So again, ksuba includes everything. Tosefes, excuse me, ikr, as well as tosefes. Again, we'll see that case in greater Pogemes. Look here, actually, Pogemes. Beperek ha-kosif tam ha-gemes ksuba. So lo tifra elo b'shvua. In pagma tosefes, nam yishamra l'shem piron ha-tosefes is kabalti. So we're going to see the case of Pogemes is like this. If a woman claims that she receives partial payment on her ksuba, and the husband says, no, I paid you all of the ksuba, since she admitted that what? She received partial payment, she has to swear about the rest. See, even it's like Modeba makes us kind, right? See, even if she goes ahead and she claims, I received the tosefes, not the ikr, that triggers a shvua on the rest of it. Next, tova'as, the most says goes back to yesterday's daf. How we pass halacha lemaisa? The most say when does when does mizonos from the estate end? When does it end? The moment she claims her ksuva in beizdin. Now we say what happens if she claims the tosefes, not the ikr? That's also called claiming the ksuva. So we say remember again we're just going through a list here of showing that what highlighting the idea that tosefes ksuva is like the ikr ksuva. That ultimately, again, once he commits to the tosefes, that tosefes, that additional amount, becomes part of ksuba proper. Next, next, lo overes al das. So we'll say overes al das. Look at Rashi. It's actually a very interesting case. Rashi says overes al das. Beperek hamadir shamru ala teitze shelo biksuba lo teim ksuba manam asan al tosefes. So we'll say we're going to see overes al das. It's an interesting situation, again, which we'll discuss in a couple of days from now, a couple of weeks from now, is about a woman who is in violation of halacha. Woman is in violation of halacha. So when a, woman, when a woman becomes in violation of halacha, ultimately, again, we begin to either diminish or remove her ksuva. So how much of it is diminished or removed? Everything, including tosefes. Next, 
top of Nun Hey, the Shevach. So I'll say interesting is top Rashi, very interesting. Shomru bebechoros ein habechar notol pishnayim b'shevach sheshavchu hanechosim liachar nisas avien. So we'll say. So here, let me let me talk about this for just a moment. Father dies. Father dies. Leaves behind an estate. He's behind an estate. So he, let's say again, he leaves behind the bechar, a firstborn son. What's the lachavai bechar? Bechar gets pishnayim, double portion. So I will say, the Bechor gets Pishnayim in the estate at the time of the death of the father. Any appreciation that occurs after the death of the father, the Bechor does not get Pishnayim. So in other words, what it's saying is that for inheritance law, the value of the estate is, is locked in at the time of death. So even if there is appreciation after, between the time of death and the actual Chalukah division of the estate, the Bechar, the Bechar will share in that, right? He'll share in that, but he does not get a double portion of that. Similarly, again, I will say, interestingly enough, same idea, same idea with Ksuva. Value of a Ksuva is locked in, is locked in at the time of death. Even if there is appreciation of the, in the estate between the time of death and Ksuva collection, the woman does not share in that appreciation. Okay, that's Shevach. Shabbosai, what part of the Ksuva does it govern? It governs everything. Shviyas, Shemitah, Shabbosai, the same idea. Remember, Ksuva is a debt. Ksuva is a debt. Shabbosai, so again, I can make a good argument that Baruch Hashem, anyone who enjoys marital longevity and therefore is married for more than seven years, what's the good news for the husband? It's good news for the husband. Come Shemitah year, what happens? The ksuva is wiped out. Doesn't work that way. Right? Rosh say ksuva is a debt that remains even through the Shemitah year. Which part of the ksuva? Which part of the ksuva? The entirety of the ksuva. Iker and Tosefes. Next, will the kosev kol nechas of Lebanov? So we'll say again, we'll discuss all of these cases. So kosev kol nechas of Lebanov, we'll say, is a man who goes ahead and gives over his property to his children, writes over all of his property to his children, and ultimately goes ahead and identifies a piece of property that he goes ahead and gives to his wife. So essentially what we say is that the entirety of the ksuva is vested in that property. What part of the ksuva? Iker and Tosavas. The ligbos minakarka. Furthermore, again, remember again, ksuva is a claim which is collectible from real property. Which part of the ksuva? Ultimately, again, Iker and Tosavas. Uminaziburis. Ultimately, again, remember, Ksuva, I will say this is actually interesting. Anytime you have a debt that is collectible from real property, so the Shaila always becomes what type of real property? There are three grades of land. There's Idus, Beninus, and Ziburis. High quality real estate, middle quality, and inferior quality. Ksuva is a debt which is only collectible from Ziburis. Lower grade, low, low quality, low quality real estate. So I will say, which part of Ksuva? Again, Iker and Tosefes, the Chosman Shibavesavia, and I will say that also the halacha applies as long as she's in her father's home. What does this mean? Look at Rashi. Chosman Shibavesavia, Tanan Banose, Chosman Shibavesabaila, the Meshach Amunusa, Govik Suvasali Olam, the Chain Chosman Shibavesavia, Shalohayu Ovdin Osai Somavalo Zonin Osa, Govik Suvasan Kaf He Shanim. So it's very interesting. When the husband dies, is there a statute of limitations on the collection of a ksuva? Interesting, Shaila. So say, we are going to see that halacha lemaisa, if she is living in her deceased husband's home, 
there's no statute of limitation. She could collect that suva forever. If she moves out of her father's home, oh, sorry, of her husband's home, she's living elsewhere. The example they give is she's living in her father's home. She has up to 25 years to collect the ksuva. If after 25 years she has not collected the ksuva, ultimately, again, it is no longer collectible. Which part of the ksuva is no longer collectible? We'll say which part? Entire thing. Iker Iker and Tosefes. And lastly, Uluksuvas Benindichrin. And we'll say soon again for Ksuvas Benindichrin, we'll say which is the halacha that says that the sons inherit their mother's Ksuva. Which part of the Ksuva do they inherit? Again, the entire Ksuva, Iker and Tosefes. So I will say, these were just a number of. I will say, so again, just keep our eye on the ball. Remember, the Yimar picking up on the deal. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said if a man wants to add on to the ksuba of his wife in Ratzal Hosef, what's the halacha? Yosef. What do we learn from the word Yosef? What does add on mean? Add on means he's adding on to the Iker ksuba, which tells us Tosefes ksuba, additional amounts, become part of the primary ksuba. So I must say, so now when Reuven goes ahead and adds on 500 zos to his wife, the ksuba value is 700 zos. 200 of primary ksuva, 500 of ikr ksuva, of oh, sorry, of tosefes, but the tosefes becomes part of ksuva proper. The Gemara now just gave us an exhaustive list of how tosefes is like part of ikr. Tosefes is just as just as much part of the ksuva as the ikr itself. Incredible. Shabbos says, let's go weiter. So now the Gemara says as follows some interesting halachas. Itmar, ksuva spinin dikrin. So the Gemara says, when it comes to ksuva spinin dikrin, so remember back, back to our previous sugya. The ability or the specific clause that male children inherit their mother's ksuva. So when it comes to ksuva, it's been in different. Pumpadisa amri, lotarfa memishibadi. Shabbosay, Pumpadisa, they said, interestingly enough, as much as Shabbosay, remember, I'm going to play this out. Rome is married to Rachel, standard in the ksuva, they would write, any sons that we have together will Rachel inherit your ksuva. My sons will, our sons will inherit your ksuva independent of any other inheritance considerations. Okay, now both sides. So let's say now over the course of marriage, over the course of marriage, Ruvain sold off his properties. So now let's say the estate, so now Rachel dies, Rachel dies, and now the sons want to inherit their mother's ksuva. Here's the problem. What's the problem? There's no property in the estate to satisfy the ksuva obligation. So what's the shaila? So I will say, a ksuba, right? Rachel, when she was alive, and now when she's dead, her ksuba is a creditor. So now the shayla is, do the sons have the right to seize sold properties in satisfaction of their mother's ksuba? So in Pumpadisa, Amri, Lotar, Mishibadi, Pumpadisa said, no. No, 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 no. A son, the, right, the sons don't have a right to go ahead and seize sold property in order to collect their mother's ksuba. Why? Your son to none. Because I will say the lotion of Ksuvas Benindichren is it's a form of inheritance. And I will say in inheritance, you don't have the right to seize sole property. I will say, think about it just a moment. Let's say a classic inheritance situation. Father dies, father dies, right? Sons inherit the estate. Well, when father was alive, he sold off 25 properties. The sons don't have a right to say, well, you know, we're now in father's inheritors where we're clawing back. Oh, no, inheritance is when the father dies, whatever is in the estate, that's what you inherit. Whatever he sold off, that's it. So therefore, in Popodisa, they said, Ksuvas Benedichrin is framed as an inheritance. So what it tells you is when mother dies, 
you have the ability to collect your ksuva from whatever is in the estate. But for argument's sake, if there's no more property in the estate, you don't have the ability to go ahead and claw back sold properties. On the other hand, so the Gemara says, so but they said, Tarfa Mishibadi. No, ultimately again, you could, it's incredible. In order to collect the mother's suva, ultimately again, the sons could actually go ahead and claw back sold properties from the estate. Why? Yasbuntanan. Because they say, they used to use the Lashon of Yasbun. Yasbun means they will collect. Your sons will collect the suva, and Rashi points out Yasbun is a lotion of a balchov, of a creditor. So the same way that if the borrower owes the creditor money and the borrower defaults, but in the interim, the borrower sold off property, the creditor has the ability to claw back sold properties, so too the sons have the ability to claw back sold properties. Incredible. So you must Sons don't have the right to claw back sold properties. Why? Because the Lashon ultimately for Ksuvah Spinindichrin is a Lashon of Yerusha. A Lashon ultimately, again, of inheritance. And I both say, that is Halakha Lamaisa. It's very important. So therefore, again, in every Ksuvah, it was standard. That Reuben would write to Rachel, when you die, your sons will inherit your Ksuvah, independent of any other Yerusha considerations. But their ability to inherit the Ksuvah is based on the estate having property at the time of Rachel's death. If Reuben sold everything off, and there's no property to collect from, the sons do not have the ability to claw back any additional properties. Incredible. Below Shavuah. So let's listen to this. Let's say there's Metaltalin. It's an interesting case here. So if you look at Rashi, Metaltalin ve'isni be'nayu. Let's say the estate has Metaltalin. What's the case? Look at Rashi. Hamiyachid Metaltalin, the first wide line of Rashi. Hamiyachid Metaltalin l'ksuvas hishto, umeis ve'hein be'en, so listen to this. So here's the case. Ruvain gives, obviously Ruvain marries Rachel, gives her a ksuva. They both say, in this case, what he did is, he identified Metalton movable property as the source of payment for her ksuva. So say just for argument's sake, right? Ruvain marries Rachel. He says, listen, I have a watch collection. I have a watch collection. So I'm identifying my two Rolexes. My two Rolexes, as your ksuva payment. Okay, now Ruvain dies. The Rolexes are here. Rolexes are here. So we'll say, so listen to this. So the halacha is, the halacha is below Shavua. So Rachel could collect the Rolexes as part of her ksuva payment, and she doesn't have to take a Shavua. Less Nubaina. So we'll say, so actually, before we go on, so go back to that Rashi for just a moment. It's the last short line in Rashi. Metalti v'lisni beinayu, hamiyachid metaltun l'ksuva sishto. So we're talking about a man, who identified movable property as the source of payment for his wife's ksuba. Umes. So now Ruvain dies. Vehein be'en. The metaltalin is, is there. Vehein ifras men shua. So she can go ahead and collect from them without a shvua. Listen to this. The time of my Amr Abanon, minichse yisomim lo tifra ela b'shvua, dechayshinan dilmat srari at at b'sa, v'hach ahaynut srari da'at b'sa. So listen to this. In general, there's a halacha that says, if you are collecting money from the estate of Yisomim, you can only do so with a shavua, right? Why? Because the say, Yisomim, the orphans, often don't know the affairs of the estate. So we're concerned that if someone's coming to collect from the, from the debts, from, from a, from a collected debt from the estate, maybe they were repaid already, 
and they're trying to take advantage of the lack of knowledge of the Yisoli. Therefore, in order to go and avoid that, we say, okay, you want to collect the debt from the estate, no problem, you have to take a Shavua. Sif Rabbo say, using that same logic, Ruvain died, Rachel's the widow. Rachel wants to collect her Ksuba from the estate, no problem, she should have to what? Take a Shavua. Well, the Gemara says, well, one second. If Ruvain went ahead and identified Metaltalin as the source of repayment, of the source of payment for the Ksuba, and that Metaltalin is there as an existence, she could collect that without a shvua. Why? Because since that was identified as the source of payment for a ksuva, we're not concerned that she found some other form of payment. So if the Rolexes are there, they're in existence, she could take that without a shvua. Now watch this. Pumpadisa, the Gemara says, let's say he identifies metatalin, but the metatalin is not an existence, right? It's not an existence, then what? Bless you. The Pumpadisians say that she could collect it without a Shavuah. Without a Shavuah. Without a Shavuah. The, the Pumpadisians' logic is that Halacha Lamaisa were not concerned that she took repayment from another source. And ultimately, B'nai Masimachasi, Amri B'Shua, B'nai Masimachasi said, no, she's no different than anyone else who wants to take payment from the estate and therefore has to swear. Below Shavua. Both say the halacha is she could collect metaltalin without a Shavua. Interesting. Next. Below Shavua. So listen to this. Same idea. A man, Ruvain, marries Rachel and he identifies for her your Ksuva is going to be paid from this particular tract of land. And what does he do? He identifies the tract of land by identifying all four of its borders. Which Rabbi means. He's explicit about the piece of land that she is going to receive in payment for her ksuva. So what's talacha? What's talacha? Below shvua. Ultimately, again, she could collect this land without shvua. Because what's the logic? Remember again, the boss says, take a step back. There's a halacha. The halacha says, if you are collecting money from the estate of a Yisumim, what do you have to do? What do you have to do? Shvua. Why? What are we concerned about? The Yisomim aren't on top of the affairs of the estate. So we're concerned that if you're coming to collect money, maybe you got paid already. And you're just trying to take advantage of the lack of knowledge of the Yisomim and collect again. The way we avoid it is Shavua. So therefore, the, the, the widow is no different. So now, if he promised her payment for her Ksuva, and he identified a parcel of land, and he identified it by identifying all four borders, meaning... He explicitly identified a piece of land, and the land is there. The land is there. There's no concern that she got payment for a ksuva from an alternative source. Therefore, when he dies and she wants to collect her ksuva, she could collect without a shvua. Bechad Mitzra, what if he only identified it on one side? In other words, he didn't give explicit identification of the land. He said, it's the land that borders, you know, field number three on the eastern side. See, it wasn't as explicit as he could have been. So what's that, Lacha? So ultimately, the Pompadician said, still, he identified a piece of land. Granted, it wasn't as explicit as he could have been. But it's explicit enough to not be fearful that she received payment from another source. And Imam Sabachan said, no, she has to take a shvua. If it's not explicit, she has to take a shvua. Vilchasal, below shvua. They both say that locha is, as long as the land is identified in some way, 
even if it's not absolutely explicit, that it will allow her to collect ultimately again without a shurabosai. The logic of the of the of the Pumpadisians is once you're identifying a source of payment, even if it's a non-explicit identification, that is enough to take away any concern that she has seized payment from another source. Incredible. So I say is an interesting case. A man says to witnesses, Kismu Vikasmu Vahavu. Right, so say this is talking about over here. Let's say a man says Ruven says to witnesses, I want you to go ahead and kisvu, record a document, sign on it. Ruven wants to convey land to Shimon. He wants to give land to Shimon. Right? So he says to witnesses, Kismu Vikisvu. Go ahead and write down the transaction, sign it. And give it and give it to Ruvain. Sorry, give it to Shimon. Vavulai, Kanumine, supposed to listen to this. If they made a Kenyan, now the witnesses make a Kenyan with Ruvain to seal the deal. Lotzarachim Luchebe. Rebose, they do not have to go ahead and consult with him again before recording the transaction and document. Look at Rashi. Oh, about eight lines up from the bottom. Lotzarachim Luchebe. Imadain Omid Bidiburo, Shiyichtivulo, Techeva de Kanumimenu, Stam Kenyan Lixiva Omid. So both say, here's what's interesting. So Ruvain says to witnesses, Ruvain says to witnesses, listen, guys, I want to, I want to gift property to Shimon. So do me a favor. Write it down, write, sign on it and deliver it. And then the witnesses do a Kenyan with Ruvain, solidifying the transaction. Since they did a Kenyan, before they record the, before they record the gift, they don't have to check with Ruvain again. Or it's now check with Ruvain again. Why? Since they made a Kenyan, and Kenyan solidifies the transaction, we don't have to go ahead and check again. You have to go ahead and ask again. Before you write it down, you have to go ahead and ask again, just to make sure Ruvain did not change his mind. To which the and interesting of what's that lacha, before recording it, you have to check back with Ruvain that he indeed wants this transaction recorded in the document, that he still wants you to go ahead and record the document. Good. So I'll say, number good. Fighter. So the Gemara goes on. So we'll say, machlokes. A machlokes, Rav and Rabbi Nosan. One said, Remember again, what did Rabbi Azariah say? Rabbi Azariah said, yes, a man could add on to a ksuva, but Rabbi Azariah says, when is Tosefes collectible as of? Nisuin. Nisuin, right? Iker ksuva could be collectible as of Erosin, but Tosefes only collectible as of Nisuin. Why? Rabbi said, what was Rabbi Azariah's logic? What was his logic? That a man only commits to the Tosefes when? When? After Nisuin. So says the Gemara Samachlokis, who does the Allah follow? It would appear that Rabbi Nasan is the one who says that the Allah follows Rabbi Nasan ben Azariah. Why? Rabbi Nasan himself goes what we call Basra Umdina. Rabbi Nasan, what does Umdina mean? An assumption. See, Rabbi Nasan ben Azariah's psak is an assumption. What's the assumption? What's the assumption? A man does not want to go ahead and commit to a tosafas to additional amounts until when? Until after Nisuin. 
Rebbe said, that's what we call an umdira. A umdira is an assumption about human behavior. So Rebbe said, therefore, Rebbe Paskins, we go basra umdira, an assumption about human behavior. So interesting enough, the Gemara says, it must be Rabbi Nason, also like Rebbe because Rabbi Nason is also on record going basra umdira, an assumption about human behavior. Where do we see this? Here we go. Dama Rabbi Nason. In the case of Musukan, so before you turn the daf, what's Musukan? What's this case? Look at Rashi. Let's Rashi on the page. Listen to this. A man is going out on a long journey. Now, the example of long journey was Shayara, caravan. Caravans often crossed desolate deserts, and often people did not return from such journeys. So a man is going on a journey. And before he leaves, he says to another person, who says to two witnesses, Kisvu get ishti, ready get for my wife. But call Ruvain is going on the journey. But what, what didn't Ruvain say? What didn't he say? Tenu. He said, right a get. What he didn't say was, give it. So the Gemara says, Shlomer tenu, hare elo yichtevu v'yitnu. So we understand, even though Ruben didn't say Tenu, we understand that what? That what? He meant Tenu. So why didn't he say it? He's preoccupied with the journey. Same idea about Sai Halakhalamai. So Shemin Shazuri says, Masukan, if someone's on his deathbed and he says to witnesses, Kisfu get ishti. Now, Bosai, remember again, why would someone on his deathbed be giving a get to his wife? Why? Yibom. Right? Could be, could be a consideration. Other possibilities, he doesn't like her, and he just want, doesn't want her to get Mizonos after he dies. That's the other possibility, but we'll go, we'll go with the Ibn possibility. So he says, he says Kislu, but he doesn't say Tnu. So Roshim Shizuri says, this is no different than the guy who goes out with the caravan, right? And Halacha Lamaisa, just because he was Bohol, right? He was preoccupied with the circumstances, he didn't say Tnu. So we'll say, I'm a base, I'm a base. So we'll say, so again, I want to point out, these are examples of say where we are going Basra Umdina. We're making an assumption. What's the assumption? What's the assumption? What's the assumption? That he meant to say Tnu. Why didn't he say Tnu? He was preoccupied. And same idea, Chumas Meister Shal Demai. So I'm going to say the case of Chumas Meister of Demai, Rashi points out, I'll just say this outside. Remember again, we know what Demai is, right? Demai is produce of an Ama Oretz. That Halakha Lamaisa Chazal said, you have to retithe because we're concerned that they're not they're not tithing properly. So without getting the interest, intricacies of this case, remember again, Trumas Meiser is you have Trumas Meiser is the portion that a lady separates out. Let's say a Trumas Meiser of Demai that gets mixed in with Hulin. Now we could go ahead and preclude Israel from eating the entire mixture, which could represent the loss. In that case, we allow you to go back to the Amaris and ask him straight out, Amaris, did you tithe? or not. And if the Amma'aret said that he tithed, that'll be enough to take away the suffix nature of the mixture. Again, not, it's grouped together with this, but it's not, it's not what we need right now. So the Gemara Sabosai, so therefore, what do you see from here? You see Rabbi Nasan is of the opinion that we go basar umdina. We go basar umdina. We make assumptions about human behavior. Where do we see that? Man goes out on a long journey, or is a masukan, says kiss will get didn't say Tenu, we assume that he meant Tenu. So it must be Rabbi Nasan is the opinion who holds that what? Rabbi Nasan is one who holds that the Allah Hafaz of Allah ben Azariah, because Rabbi Allah ben Azariah also goes Basar Umdina, also Allah Chalamaisa makes assumptions about human behavior. 
I, the Rav, lo Azal Basra Omdira, but Rav doesn't go ahead and make assumptions, doesn't go after assumptions about human behavior, Vahalitmar, Matnas Shchidmera, Shekasul Ba Kinyan, Abbas is an interesting case. Let's say, a Shchidmera, Abbas says, Shchidmera is a person who's on his deathbed, right? Rubain's on his deathbed, and he's conveying a gift, right? But in the Shtar, he's conveying property, but in the Shtar, he wrote a Kinyan. Rashi says, over Matnas Shchidmera, Listen to this. The whole chap of a shchiv is that Chazal allowed a shchiv to convey property without a kinyan. Now, why did they do this? Because ultimately, again, they wanted to make things as easy as possible for a shchiv and wanted to eliminate as much worry and anxiety for shchiv as possible. So I will say, listen to this interesting case. Let's say a shchiv a shchiv writes a document conveying something. But in the document, he also writes, quote-unquote, a Kenyan. So he's utilizing two things. He's utilizing the mechanism of conveyance of a Shechid but he's also utilizing the mechanism of Kenyan. Of Kenyan. So the Gemara, Bebei Rav, Rav, Amri, Arkavei, Atrei Rikshi. Such an individual, ultimately, again, is going ahead, is going ahead, I will say, and what? is going ahead and utilizing two steeds, right? He's utilizing, ultimately, again, two horses. Two horses. Which, I will say, means what? Which is, in other words, that here, the, 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 the Shrid Merah is utilizing two forms of Kenyan. He's utilizing a form of Kenyan of Shrid Merah, and he's utilizing a form of normative Kenyan. He's riding on two horses. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, so Amri, Arkevei Acherich, Ushmul or Shmuel says, Lo yidana ma'idunbe. I'm not sure exactly how to judge this transaction. Should we look at, because we want to say just, well, we'll get into the intricacies of this in tomorrow's daf, but essentially what's happening over here is Shmuel. So, so Rav says, Rav says, he's benefiting from two halachic mechanisms. Shmuel says, I don't know what to do with this. Right? When a shchiv meira does a matna shchiv meira also utilizes a normative kinyan. So do we look at this transaction? as a shchiv merah transaction with all of its leniencies, or do we look at this as a regular transaction, i.e. a regular Kenyan? That's the Shiloh. So he wants to say, so he wants to say, what does it mean when Rav said that he's riding on two horses? So it's very interesting. What we'll do is, we'll endow this transaction with the strength of both mechanisms of what we'll call the gift of a regular person and the gift of a shkina. How so? So the Gemara says, Hari bari, dim amad So I will say, this is very interesting. Now remember, in general with a matna shkina, we'll say, when a shkina gives a gift, right? It's good news. Unless what? It's an interesting idea. I will say, let's say again, right? You're, you're right. So a shkina gives you an incredible gift. I will say, so now what happens? And now he, now Baruch Hashem, he has a complete and enduring refuah. Right? He's healed. And you say to yourself, wow, that's funny. I was not davening for him. Right? Right? This entire life. But yet again, he has a refuah shalema. So now you're in this awkward predicament. You're like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Right? Baruch Hashem. Right? Fantastic. Only one problem was, you see, the way Matna works, I will say, is it's only binding if he dies. Right? Because it's clear that the reason he's gifting the property to you is because he's ill. So Matna Shchidmira, if he's healed, ultimately again reverts. So Rav says like this, it's very interesting. In this case, in this case, the Shechid is riding on two horses. Number one, 
Because he utilized the Kenyan, it has the power of a mat nasbari. Meaning what? Even if he is healed, nevertheless, the gift stands. And it's also kemat has the ability to convey, to give over a debt. Let's say someone owes the Shechid Merah money. Normally, in order to transfer a debt from one party, you need a more formal mechanism. A Shechid Merah could do it even just by mouth. By mouth. So according to Rav, ultimately again, this Matna Shechid Merah utilizes both mechanisms. On one hand, it's a Matnas Bari, in that even if he's healed, the gift stands, but it's a matna shchidnera, and that is he has the ability to convey things by word, even though normally it would require a king. And Shmuel lo Shmuel says, I don't know what to do with this kinabos. So we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up with the sheet of Shmuel tomorrow, and then ultimately figure out if the halacha goes like a Balazah ben Azariah or not. Shkoyach.